Welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, oh, we have another amazing show. We're going to be joined by a guest from the other side of the planet, y'all, in the beautiful country of Taiwan. Christy is back. That's right. Christy joined us a few years ago, right at the onset of coronavirus, when she had just escaped out of Italy, uh, just as they were beginning to shut things down in Italy, limiting travelers' capacity to return back to their home base destinations. So she barely made it out of Italy back to the United States. And uh, it's been a few years, and I wanted to catch up with Christy again. She's on the move again, traveling with her family once again. And I wanted to hear what's happening in the beautiful, beautiful country of Taiwan, not just to catch up with Christy but I also wanted to talk to her a little bit about the Passport Bros. And some of you may know they've gone international now, Passport Bros. And it used to be associated with guys, but now somehow it's been taken over by African-American men. But it is a movement that is garnering a lot of tension and a lot of chatter online. I wanted to ask Christy about that and how it may manifest in the beautiful country of Taiwan where she's at. So that's Christy joining us this evening on Psychotic Bum School. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWG, the truth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bum School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show after this. This is Christy, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Can never 
Okay, we are back. KCWGTheTruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Mom School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very excited to have this next guest back with us. You can never tell where, where this individual is going to end up uh, <laughs> somewhere on the planet. Uh, due to international business purposes, this family is all over the world, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to let her tell us where they currently are. She is a dear friend from way back in the day. I can't believe it's been so long. And I want to talk to her about that, how fast time actually flies. Uh, it's pretty amazing when I think about it. It makes my head spin. But ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome her back. Ladies and gentlemen, Christy. Christy, are you back? Yes, I am. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Well, <laughs> I think the last time you were with us, uh, what country were you in the last time you were here? Uh, the last time was we, we were back in America and COVID had just shut down everything. And we had just uh, left Northern Italy, which was one of the hot zones right at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And then at that time, did you have one child or two by then? I, I had I had two. They were they were really young. My my second turned one while we were all in lockdown. So, you know, oh, wow. babies, they were both little babies at that point. So one of them's got to be at least five or six by now, right? Yeah. I got a five-year-old and a soon a four-year-old. It's, wow. it's exciting. <laughs> oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. And so you left the, okay. You just barely got out of Italy before all that stuff started. You were back in the States mm -hmm. the last time you were here. And since that time mm -hmm. you have traveled again, the family is now where on this planet? We're in Taiwan. Uh, we're here. My husband's job allows us to uh, have an option of moving internationally. So we decided to do it again. And we are now in uh, Taiwan, which is, if people don't know, and surprisingly, a lot of people know, is a small island uh, just off the east coast of China. Uh, politically, it's a it's a gray area, so it's interesting to be here when things do happen. You know, oh, you've yeah. heard in the yeah, if you heard in the news that there's always a threat of of China looming over us, and right. um, it's it's just very interesting to to experience this in the country itself. Right. Um, yeah. So it's um, it's different. It's very different from living in America. I bet it is. You and, know, I forgot about that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And also very different from Italy. Like now now we have perspective of living on, you know, three different continents. Yeah. So I forgot about the issues with the Ukraine and Russia. Mm -hmm. Conflict mm -hmm. and how China has threatened to get involved. And as you know, or you may or may not know, there were there was a balloon shot down maybe three weeks ago. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, we, act, we we get a couple balloons here, too. Do you really? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. And so and I mean, I guess the jury is still out about who's really flying those balloons, because I know the Chinese government has come out and said, well, the United States, y'all flying balloons over our country, too. And then mm -hmm. Taiwan has sort of been this this battleground space, and the U.S. has vowed to protect Taiwan if China, China gets. It's a hot mess. It it is a hot mess, and it's funny because for us Americans, this this is a kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. For the for the Taiwanese, it's status quo. They go oh, on with yeah. their lives, and they are very unconcerned for the most part. Unbothered, at least from unbothered because they've been dealing with this now since the formation of their country no and kidding. yeah it's just they 
Yeah, like uh, when uh, the conflict in Ukraine started and there was concerns that it would spread, yeah. asking the, the local nationals, they're like, meh. They're like, meh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's very nonchalant. They, they, I think it's just it, the, the constant threat is always there and they understand that. But mm-hmm. I think they also have the confidence that China isn't going to be doing anything uh, physical. Okay. The uh, yeah, the microchip, the semiconductor industry is just too important for them mm-hmm. to just blow up. So most people are very convinced that if there was a takeover, it would be an economic kind of takeover. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're from California, so I know that people in other parts of the United States think, how do those Californians deal with the constant threat of an earthquake? Aren't they scared? Because we just mm-hmm. we just get used to that too, right? Because yes, well, yeah, just it, right over a big old fault line, right? Right, and you know what? We have the constant threat of earthquakes here too. We had a oh man, like a seven a point something a couple months ago. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we had we get earthquakes here all the time. They're even more nonchalant about the earthquakes than yeah. they are wow. about China. <laughs> like oh, wow like yeah. no nobody goes running life goes on as normal even like the big ones they'll stop mm-hmm. Taiwanese will stop to kind of see if anything falls down and yeah. no no one ever leaves the building I mean the schools do their earthquake drills mm-hmm. but just people out on the street no one stops no one bats an eye no matter how big the earthquake is no kidding <laughs> yeah well to a certain we, extent LA and mm-hmm. California is kind of like that too, because I guess if mm-hmm. buildings are built up to earthquake code, I guess they've kind of figured out how to, you know, build structures that can withstand, you know, exactly. a really sizable trimmer, right? Even out there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, the technology here in terms of earthquake safety is very good. So mm-hmm. I think many people have like very high levels of confidence in the technology that this country has come up with. Absolutely. So compared to the United States, Italy, and now you're in Taiwan, uh, two things. How safe do you feel there in general? And how would you distinguish those three very different cultures from one another? Oh, man. Safety here is amazing. I have never felt so safe before in my life as a woman, as a mother, as a person in general. Uh, Crime here is very low, even petty crime. There's no pickpocketing. There mm. are no like thefts. It's a very um, trustworthy culture. Mm. I don't know how many times we have, you know, left a phone oh. somewhere or I just leave my bag with my wallet, you know, out at a playground or whatever. And no one will do anything. Your your things will be there where you left them. No mm. one will steal anything. No one's going to rob you. Um, guns are non-existent here. Wow. Um, uh, the, you know, uh, we've traveled a lot with the children and there are some countries where we have to tell them, you know, we have to be careful around people. Some people may want to take you, you know, that's, that's a concern when you travel abroad. Uh, I, do, I don't have that concern here. Like I, no one's going to harm my children. The, the biggest problem here, safety wise would be, uh, the traffic. We have a lot of, uh, mopeds and scooters. Uh, they tend to weave in and out of traffic or like kind of cut corners onto the sidewalk. So you really have to watch out for that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's super safe here. Like we, there is, 
not the same level of violence that we see in America. Um, in, uh, in Italy, there's always the concern of um, pickpockets. You know, it's like any high tourist area, lots of pickpockets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, or we, we have no safety concerns here. Literally, when we did our security briefing, the biggest problem, you know, is not terrorism. It's not, you know, everyday crime. It's, it's the traffic, the traffic and the possibility of like an earthquake or if you're in the northern part, um, you know, a typhoon or something. And it, it's, it's just different. I, I actually am uh, afraid to come back to America. I was going to ask you, because... was like, why are you going to come back? <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we, we miss our family and friends and ultimately our jobs are there. But um, okay. yeah, just safety wise, it's just this is a haven. Like even compared to other Asian countries, this Taiwan is really, and I hate, I don't want to let go of this secret. I almost want to gatekeep it, but it is an amazing place Mm. Uh, just to, to live. Life is very easy. It's very safe, convenient for the most part. Mm. Um, Yeah. It's, um, it's a great place. Honestly, it's a, it's a very well-kept secret. I'm surprised not more Americans know how nice living here can be. Well, the word is out now. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm, oh no, I'm sorry, Taiwan. <laughs> well, I mean, but see, that's what, that's partially why you're here too, because we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this passport movement in a second, but mm-hmm. um, also you're in a interracial relationship and I'm wondering yes. how well are those dynamics received in a country like Taiwan? Um, we, so in Taiwan, it is mostly, um, oh, what's the term? Homeogenic? No. Uh, everyone is pretty much of the same race and ethnicity for the most part. Every once in a while you do see a foreigner and if it's a foreigner, it's very obviously someone from Australia, England, America. So all white, um, or South African. We do get a lot of South Africans here, both white and black. Uh, okay. most foreigners come to teach English. That's like the big industry for most foreign employment. Okay. Um, and so here we do see some interracial couples, but it's it's usually a foreigner and and a local or two foreigners um, like me. So, so my husband is white. I am Vietnamese American. We got married in America and there are not very many white Asian pairings, at least in the city we're in. You don't, it's not very common. It may be more common in like the capital of Taipei. Um, just, just more people, more foreigners, you know, more of a mixing, uh, where we are, it's more industrial. Um, and, um, and uh, economic like business. So maybe that's just not the, the, the situation for a lot of um, intermingling. Oh, um, But a lot of the uh, interracial relationships that we are familiar with, like our friends or, you know, acquaintances, they have met outside of Taiwan and have moved to Taiwan, whether it is for work or, you know, uh, family worker family mm-hmm. hmm. and in terms of those relationships how many of them have children to look out for as well well i think just by 
just by situation. A lot of our, the people we know do have families and because we have kids. So it's like, that's like kind of the common denominator. It makes it easy to hang out and you have something to talk about. Okay. Um, but there are, there are a few who don't have kids. I don't you know. They, I don't think they plan on having children, but again, but I think a lot of these relationships happen. It's not like they came to seek out uh, finding a partner who is Asian. It just happened because they were in an Asian country. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. And how would you, is there a difference in the way relationships feel over there? It sounds like a wonderful place to raise a family compared to the United States. It definitely sounds safer. So what are the features are inherent in Taiwanese relationships, whether they're international or domestic, compared to other places that you've been? Honestly, I don't see very much of a difference other than I think there's a higher rate of usually the woman being the stay-at-home parent. Uh, traditionally, that is kind of the, the thing to do. Uh, mm -hmm. The women here are very highly educated, a lot of entrepreneurs, but once they do have children, they do, uh, many of them do opt to stay home because it's possible. And, um, uh, you know, uh, the uh, standard of living is pretty affordable. Mm -hmm. So one, in one income is enough. And usually they choose the, the husband to work. Um, that doesn't always happen, but that is kind of the, the common thread here. Um, and a lot of Taiwanese women, uh, they do have families here, whether it's like their parents or their in-laws or grandparents. And so they do have kind of a village. So being at home isn't so um, like stressful. There isn't as much pressure to do everything because you do have a village. So in that sense, it's 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 easier than like in America, because when I was like a stay at home mom in Italy and America, I didn't have that network. And that's mm. very stressful. But here. Uh, the women here do have that network. They do have that option. And even if they do choose to work, um, the public school system here for like preschool daycare is 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 pretty easy to get into. There's it's very um, uh, there's so many schools. Like they highly value education. So if a, if they want to put the kids in school, there there are many schools and places for the children to go. Really? Now I just happen to know that you are an educator. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and do you how many languages are you fluent in fluent Ooh, I would say one and that would be English <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. but um yeah but I speak I, I could speak Vietnamese uh conversationally uh my Mandarin I had to learn that moving here um I speak like a like a three-year-old maybe like a toddler level oh. I get I get my I get my needs across <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, my Italian is, I forgot it all. It's yeah. you use it, use it or lose it, you know? Right. Right. So as an educator and as a mom, um, how often have you elected to educate your own children or are they in the public school system out there? They're, they're in a private school only because we were, oh. we wanted a bilingual education. Um, okay. um, you know, here in Taiwan, when we first moved here in the midst of the pandemic, Taiwan's numbers were very good and they were very strict about quarantining, you know, the controlling uh, who comes in and out of the country to keep the numbers under control. 
And mm-hmm. so we had to quarantine 14 days, like meaning we could not leave our apartment. Like I couldn't even go downstairs to the lobby of our building. I, we had to strictly stay in our apartment for 14 days, you know. And so for those 14 days, I essentially homeschooled the kids, you know, came up with activities and things like that. And I, I can tell you, I cannot do it again with my own children. Really? It's, it, yeah. It's, um, I, I, they don't see me as a teacher. They see me as mom. Right. And it's that dynamic has already been established. And so I, mm. I could not homeschool my kids. I know there are people here who do homeschool. I do know one family who did it for about a year. Um, it's, it's hard, especially for, for the adult, you know, it's, it takes so much disciplining and scheduling mm. stuff that in a school system is already built in, you know, like when you work at a school, you don't really have to determine the schedule because like the school kind of does it they tell you when recesses they tell you when lunches they tell you when you know things are done and everyone can leave the bell rings and everyone leaves in a homeschool like you really have to make those distinctions very um uh like strict like defined they need to be defined kind of like the work from home situation if you're working from home and your office is also your bedroom like there's this gray area. Like, when do you stop working? Where where does work end? And right. it was the same thing with school. Like, where does play end? Where does learning end? And it it I couldn't I couldn't do it. It also I don't have a lot of experience with preschoolers. <laughs> you know, right. I I work I work with mainly you know fourth grade and up who are you know more independent. And I I I could you know hats off to those who can homeschool because that is that's one of the hardest things. I've ever done. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was very humbling for so many people. Not only were we figuring out how to do distance learning, but parents had mm-hmm. to suddenly figure out how to do math again, this new way, mm-hmm. how to teach mm-hmm. that. Because I can't teach today's math. I don't think I on any level. I used to be a pretty good <laughs> stuff teacher and be able to implement anybody's lesson plans, but I don't, I'm not even confident that I could do it. And right world. And so, yeah, I bet that was very humbling for a lot of parents and surprisingly parents who just also happen to be teachers as well. Or, yes. You're, you're telling yes, us you, how humbling that was. Yeah. Like my husband was just like, this should be easy. You're a teacher. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you realize like I have no experience in this age wow. group. Like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it, people don't understand yeah, that's an entirely different grade level of prep, you know, when you're prepping yeah. for little, little kids, right? Yes, it's it's different prep. It's a different mindset. They developed, you know, there are different level of development mm. that you have to take into consideration. Um, you know, even just something where, you know, a simple addition and if like they don't get it, you know, for us, it's just like, well, you just add. Well, they don't know that. They don't know what just add means. Right. You know, you have to really break it down. And a lot of people don't know how to break it down. Mm. Well, has it made you a better teacher? Or a better or a better mom. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think because I've I've had to be with them so much. I think I've learned to be for sure more patient. I think being a teacher made me more patient in preparation of being a mom. Right. And being a mom has now made me more patient in preparation to becoming a teacher again. And it's just like the cyclical thing because as I watch my kids develop and grow, a mm. lot of the behaviors of my students in the past start making more sense. Oh, so yeah. now I have that kind of insight, even though it's hindsight, mm-hmm. but, um, but now I see a lot more that I didn't see before. 
Oh, wow. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is EJ Rome, and we're chopping it up with our good sister, Christy. Christy is now stationed in the beautiful country of Taiwan. She's been here before from other parts of the world, and there's no telling where she'll end up next, y'all. So this is quite a treat, uh, zooming in from Taiwan with Christy. So all that preparation, Christy, all of that, you know, foresight that, you know, I'm going to one day be an independent professional working in the world. Uh, it made you a better teacher, made you a better mom. You develop all this patience. In what way would you say it prepared? Well, I said I wouldn't ask you a personal question. In what ways <laughs> would you say, I mean, if you want to get personal, you can, but I, I said I would try to keep it general. In what ways would you say the traditional marriages or traditional relationships, because you said it's pretty common for women there to be okay in the role of the stay-at-home parent, right? Right. Or the stay-at-home partner in the relationship. And that's not frowned upon, I guess that's the way to put it. So how would you describe that dynamic, the way it plays out over there? Is it generally acceptable for a woman who may have her own thing going on? She may have a certain level of independence, but there's still the degree of interdependency that her traditional values sort of compel her to still maintain in cooperation with a man. And that that's kind of a word salad, but how would you describe the, the the dynamics and the roles as they play out there in relationships compared to everywhere else? I think I think there's a misconception of having of of Asian households in general and but also in particular having an Asian wife that makes it seem that uh they we uh are more um, willing to be obedient, for lack of better words, or compliant mm -hmm. uh, with our situation. And I think that is a very misconstrued notion to say it in the most nicest way possible. Um, I think in the West, we have this idea um, that uh, Asian women are going to be more submissive to their husbands, to their families. And it, and to an extent, we are a very loyal uh, group of people, you know, family is super important, but it's like, then you could say that about any culture, any family, you know, any family um, here, because the women here are so highly educated and education is just like such a big push for, for boys and girls. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't, there isn't a distinction of girls can't do math or anything like that. Like, it's literally like the children's job is to be in school, whether you're a boy or a girl, you're in school from this time to this time. Um, mm. And so there is um, that level of equality. When it comes to marriage, I think, and this is my assumption, they just see it that the bond between mother and child is just something different. And mm. so therefore it's okay for the mom to be the stay at home parent. Like they're, they're, it's not looked down upon or, you know, you're not being like lazy or mm. anything like that. That's literally, it's just the children need their mother mm. and therefore, and of course they need their father, but in, if you're going to have to pick one, it's going to be mom to stay home and dad will work. Two, three, and 
attention, want a want attention. You give me butterflies, you know. That moment, I'm talking paradise. Go mess up, get what you You got me looking for attention. Dynasty, 
like no other. It's the the rock, the for the band, the the rock, the 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 rock, the uh huh, to that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Quits, but I'm not. No chances, we all dance in the light. Tell me what's the odds we can all get a bite. Okay, the last time we tried that, it didn't end well. Plus, you never know the story that they friends tell. And off the brown liquor, nigga, feel like Denzel. Out in Washington, in the DC, where the chocolate bitch, little freak bitch, get geeked off erotic shit. So, what you do? Shut the club up like uh, so y'all Man, that's that other shit. Paying child support through the government. Joint custody weekends, you can't man, touch the key. I love this bitch. We gon' travel and fill up the bucket list. How about 10 kids on the ranch on some southern You mean sucker shit. Slaves to the pussy since you discovered it. 10 bands on Chanel purse that's bad budgeted. Plus you niggas always together, it's mad smothering You sipping over bitches, I never thought it would come to this Why you always mad? I just wanna have fun with it The winners ain't bad when you cruising in the summer with Two friends and they both tens looking nice Too bent, I should call it quits, but I'm not No chances, we all dance in the night Tell me what's the odds, we can all get a bite Two friends and they both tens looking nice Too bent, I should call it quits, but I'm not No chances, we all dance in the night Tell me what's the odds yeah. we can all get uh, See, I'm not trying to be overbearing or give you a lecture I just want you to see the shit from a different perspective See, every hoe is a dog, and every dog has his day You can't be loving on every mud that be falling astray My nigga, watch what you say, how you blocking the way? You just talking, nothing's coming from a logical Man, place Man, I'm kicking knowledge today, you getting brolic today Why you paying her son tuition? Cause I'm his father today Okay Two friends and they both tens looking nice Too bent, I should call it quits, but I'm not no chances, we all dance in the light Tell me what's the odds, we can all get a bite Two friends and they both tens looking nice Too bent, I should call it quits, but I'm not No chances, we all dance in the light Tell me what's the odds, we can all get a bite Well, I was just gonna ask Is it akin to cursing in someone's face If they have certain ideas that may be misunfounded about how cooperative an Asian woman is? Is it is, is it considered an insult that so many people think you are submissive, obedient, cooperative? Cooperative is okay, I guess, but obedient and submissive, is that yeah. like a curse word? For me, it's very, it, it bothers me a lot that people would see me that way just because of the way I look. It's, it's for, you know, flat out very racist. And mm. I've, I've run into it more in America than other countries. Um, and I'm not sure why Americans have this idea. It could be just historically, that's just how we've been portrayed, you know, in media, you're either the, um, uh, like, uh, you know, the dragon lady who's like conniving, but sexy, like the femme fatale, or you're, you know, Miss Saigon, uh, Madam Butterfly, someone who like just, you know, pretty much gives up their life for you. And it's like, well, you know, we're kind of a spectrum between the two of the two. And um, I think that's just more prevalent in Western media. I, I know like K-dramas and like Asian shows are more uh, popular right now. I mean, just like looking at um, 
you know, Crazy Rich Asians and like the whole Squid Games thing and um, uh, everything everywhere all at once. And these movies, even though they are Western, it's it's like it, they're getting so much press because they're portraying Asians and particularly Asian women in a whole different light that we had never seen before. And mm. I think here in Taiwan, and I can only specifically speak of Taiwan, it's just the women are already set to be independent and they're choosing I for more or less that because the living the standard of living here is so much easier. They're they have that choice of, yeah, I'll be home with the kids until they're, you know, in school and then they go back to pursuing whatever they want to pursue. They're seeing staying at home as more like, yes, a financial benefit, you know, because they don't have to, well, they if they're in the public school system, they don't really pay, pay anything, but, you know, and an, a chance to be home with the kids and to be there with the kids. Um, and then once they're old enough to be just in school all day, then mm -hmm. it's like they go back to their lives. Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the statistics on marriage in the United States. Um, African-Americans were married, are married at about 30 percent. And every other group is at least twice that with Asians being the number one group in America that's married to one another. Uh, back in the 60s, that dynamic was reversed. African-Americans were the most married demographic in the country up to about 1965 which was close to 60% of us. And that's been cut in half in recent times. And would you say, based upon what you've seen there, uh, what is the majority of the relationship statuses, would you guess, uh, over there in terms of the women that are married, partner, or uh, voluntarily single? Um, Man, I don't know. It is hard for me to say because my circle is consisted of you know married people with families there are some people who are partnered up mm -hmm. um who are at different stages of relationship you know they're they're dating seriously or they're you know decided not to get married but stay together and like of a civil union kind of thing okay. um yeah it's it's hard to say because um i i'm not too familiar with with the women I interact with regularly who aren't in within my close circle of friends, I actually don't know their relationship status. Um, I do know at Taiwan as a whole is pretty easygoing when it comes to relationships. And with most of the things, it's more of, well, that's your business, not mine. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Taiwan is uh, the only country that has legalized gay marriage in Asia. And right. so, you know, and um, they're working on different, you know, rights for um, same-sex marriages. So like, they're still working out those kinds of details. Um, but I mean, for the most part, Thai, the Taiwanese are not super concerned with personal relationships of other people. They're concerned with the relationships within their own family. Yes. But that's that's pretty, like, it's kind of nice, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That does sound like a, a proverbial paradise. Now, yes, it does. The national language there, is it Mandarin or something else? Um, they, they, most people speak Mandarin and there is a, a, a slight, there is Taiwanese. So a slight different dialect, different vocabulary, different accent. Um, but yes, in general, Mandarin, uh, everyone speaks Mandarin. They read Chinese. Um, English, they're trying to aim to be a bilingual country by like 2030. 
Uh, wow. I don't know. If, I don't know if they'll make it, but it's a, it's a big push right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, akin to that big push in recent times, there's been a noticeable shift here in the United States in the dating landscape with some men out here opting to travel to other countries to find partners. And they're commonly referred to as the passport bros. The passport bros now is kind of associated with African-American men, but it's actually a group that was started by white guys. And for decades, this isn't a recent phenomenon, but it seems like it's caught on recently in the United States. Um, a lot of guys are going to places like Taiwan, Thailand, um, Colombia, Brazil, in search of love and more conservative relationships because they feel that the dating landscape in the United States and Western culture in general has gotten so far away in their opinion from traditional roles in relationships. These guys wanna have families. Now, of course they get all the, the negative tropes th thrown at them. They're like, oh, they're just mm -hmm. looking for sex. They're just looking for young girls to exploit. They're looking for broke women. Okay, maybe some are, but the overwhelming majority of men are using their passports, Christy, to go mm -hmm. to places like the country you're in now to find relationships. Um, how new is this information to you? Have you seen any evidence of that in some of the families that you've met and just hearing their stories about how they met? Have they generally met outside of Taiwan and uh, carried on once they got there? Or have people in your experience been meeting and linking up in Taiwan itself? Okay, so from personal experience within my own family and personal circle, personal American circle, Okay. Uh, I've had people, men do this, um, you know, and not to throw my family on the bus, but I've also have um, family members who have had and like questionable relationships. You know, the guess is like, is this a green card marriage or, or not? Like, you know, things like that. Uh, or and sometimes it turns out no, but else but there is the question of like, why did this couple get together? You know, then this is within my own family. And so I, I do know, you know, this whole phenomenon is not new. And I think it's just being brought to light because, yes, like the passport bros thing, social media definitely plays a big thing. Something like 90 Day Fiance, which is a huge show yeah. and, kind of, you know, shows people like meeting someone in a different country, trying to go through the process of getting visas and and all that stuff. It's 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 compelling because for so many Americans, it's a very different Um yeah here the couplings i've seen at least in taiwan have been very mutual a lot of people do come here strictly for work whether it's teaching english or working in the semiconductor right. industry or defense or whatever people come here just to work um if they meet someone they meet someone but i have yet to really meet someone who specifically came to taiwan to meet um their partner i also think taiwan is not really high on that list of at least asian countries for mm -hmm. men to go to because it's so and this plays into the exploitive nature of this kind of phenomenon but taiwan the women here like i said are very highly educated they are they are making money in their own right um mm -hmm. they they have equality for the most part you know, mm -hmm. within the government. So it's like, well, why do they need, you know, if they're marrying 
and a foreigner, it's because they want to marry a foreigner. It's not they have to marry a foreigner. It's not going to afford them a uh, quote unquote better life, mm. you know, uh, which does play in what, you know, and uh, the, the parents I've met where, where the relationship is like kind of questionable, you know, um, yeah, that plays into it. But sometimes I ought there's still got to be a mutual like of the person uh, to some extent. And mm. I just think with, with yeah. at least with Taiwanese women, they don't, they they have the they have the luxury to choose <laughs> if they want to be in this relationship you know they have the luxury to choose and they are mm -hmm. electing even with that choice they are electing to choose marriage or relationships by i think and far. i think by and far i think here in taiwan the trend is just like with everywhere else people are tending to marry later having families later Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're putting off dating because there is such a push to just be independent and successful in your own right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I don't, I don't see yeah. a lot of pairings here personally, uh, where people were like, I came here specifically to find a partner. Mm -hmm. It was just more that I was here and incidentally, I found a partner. And um, it's it's common to, okay, so here's a story. So when we did our security briefing, mm -hmm. we one of the concerns was that if you meet the love of your life or meet the new love of your life, that we needed to tell the higher-ups so that they could get whatever paperwork they needed to in order. And so because that was part of the security meeting, it means that this happens a lot, that people come to Taiwan and for some reason, one or another, either meet the person they're going to be with or they find someone who they seem is better than the partner they already have. Mm. And so when that happens, the company basically has to be like, okay, we got to do the paperwork to make sure this is all legal and things uh -huh. like that. So, so it does happen. Uh, have I seen it happen? No because they mm -hmm. had to tell us it's probably very common and i'm not sure why that happens hmm. um moving abroad is stressful in, in general for for many marriages so if yeah. you don't have a strong marriage and you just end up in another country where you happen to meet someone you get along with you know who provides something that your per current partner isn't providing i mean that oh. can happen anywhere Ooh. but we we did not get this same message when we moved to italy I can at least say wow. that. <laughs> wow. So that sounds like a pretty competitive market because, you know, L.A. is considered one of the more competitive dating markets in the world, mm -hmm. definitely in the United States. And so that means, I mean, I think what I hear what I'm hearing you say is that this is common enough to where they've kind of put this into the lexicon and the language that if you're already with someone, but yet someone comes along that you think might be a better fit for you, mm -hmm. there there are provisions for that in order to make yes. sure it's done legally. Wow. Yes, yes, and then and and the thing is, just to add on to that, since you brought up LA, you know, I I met my husband through online dating, and okay, I I almost see it as because we're such a global society and we're connected in so many ways, mm -hmm. we could see this phenomenon of going to another country to find a partner as just casting a wider net. Now, mm -hmm. I don't, 
I don't support the fact that they're casting a wider net, wider net because they want someone in a more traditional role or whatever. Like I don't, I don't condone that kind of uh, philosophy when it comes to relationships. But mm. I mean, dating the dating game is a numbers game, and if you're not having you know success within your area your state or whatever i mean why not go abroad and experience you know someone else's you know being in a relationship with someone else it could be exactly what you've been looking for yeah. you know yeah it's just a wider very wide pool it's oh it's a global pool <laughs> it's a global pool and i i absolutely agree with that and i think whether you're a woman or a man i think you should go and find uh, what you're looking for elsewhere, if where you are currently is not meeting your needs, I think the cream mm -hmm. will rise to the top. And I think if your value is what you say it is, somebody's going to recognize that. Um, but sometimes mm -hmm. the, the, there's a rule in entertainment too. In order to be famous in LA, you got to leave LA. In order to be famous in New York, you got to leave New York. And there's something about being home to where we're kind of uh, still within a 30 mile radius of the hospital we were born in. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of us don't travel. And that's why this this whole passport movement is so fascinating because we generally don't travel very much. Now, I want to go back to something you said a moment ago that people generally there, as in other places you've seen, they 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 seem like they're getting married later in life and uh, putting off having children as well. Did, did I hear you correctly on that? Yes, yes. Okay. Now, and again, I'm, I'm trying not to make this personal with you, but from what I know about you, I I think you got married before the age of 30, right? Or somewhere no. right in there? I got married at just right after 30, early 30s. Okay. And so yeah. I think, and the reason why I'm asking is because I think you're right on the first point. And, I, and, and I'm not surprised that you got married right at 30 because a lot of people are opting uh, in the United States right now to be independent. And mm -hmm. they've kind of gotten away from traditional relationships because, you know, at least in the African-American culture, there's a portion, not all, but a portion of women in the African-American culture that actively promotes not needing a man. And I think oh. that philosophy, oh, did I hit a nerve? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I think, I think it's true. Um, of the uh, African-American Black women that I do know, uh, mm. who have gone abroad, they are very independent women. They may have had children from previous relationships. They may have not, but mm. they go abroad and they, they don't always have a partner with them and they are living their best lives, like traveling mm. wherever they want to go, you know, doing mm. whatever they want to do. Um, and I could see why I think, and, and I could see why people in general, you know, are waiting to, to partner up because it's like, you want to do what you want first. And I I do agree with that. And what happens when that flies directly in the face of wanting to have a family? A guy can do that a little bit more readily than a woman can, only not because he's better than a woman, but biologically, women have to have the more larger parts of their lives figure out, figured out and prioritized a whole lot mm -hmm. sooner than a guy does. A guy can have children in his 60s, 70s, and 80s, whereas a woman, y'all got to you know, have this pretty much figured out between 22 and 35 before it starts to get a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's harder. It, it, you know, obviously women have pregnancies into their late 30s and beyond, but the the risk factor is a little bit more pronounced. Mm 
And right. so that's what I'm, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, so my second pregnancy was considered geriatric because I was 35, yeah. which I'm just like, yeah, you know, just, just medically speaking as a geriatric pregnancy. And right. many of my friends have now experienced that because, you know, once you reach a certain age, there are more risks for certain uh, complications. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think now in general, in the Western world, the idea of not having children is starting to be more okay. Like yeah. even my own, you know, uh, not to get too personal, but, but even mm-hmm. my own sister has opted not to get married and not to have children. She has a long term partner. They have been long together longer than I've been with my husband. Mm-hmm. And they, they decided that's their, that's that what they want to do. You mm-hmm. know, they're happy. They're happy being the cool aunt and the cool uncle and then saying goodbye and doing their own thing. Right. You know? And right. I think that's, and, and she, and she is also a interracial relationship. She is Asian and he is white. And mm-hmm. so it's, um, I think it's just a little easier now to live that kind of life that these women are living. It's a mm-hmm. more accepted. Um, I think the generation that really emphasized that we have to have children is getting older and, you know, for lack of better words, dying off. And this newer generation is just more accepting of, well, if it's your life, you do what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people also, um, they don't regret having a family, but there are a lot of like things they wish they had done before having a family or when they were able to do it more easily you know Mm -hmm. like travel a little more or like start that business or whatever and I think the newer generation even the people younger than you and I are Mm -hmm. more in the mindset of getting those things ready because I I think they feel like if they are happy with themselves they will be better parents if they choose to be parents and I I I like that I Mm -hmm. like that concept uh-huh uh-huh now how long okay here we go again um your your, your parents because mm-hmm. listening to your story of yourself and your sister two peas in the same pod right however the, you you have disparate views on solidifying a a, a relationship in different ways you know yeah. not not from the traditional cloth of we just do this one way and one way only and mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering, in general, um, are generations ahead of yours and mine, are they still together? Would you say most of your generation's parents, are they still married to each other? Uh, great-grandparents in the picture? How much are these traditions still being handed down despite two siblings sometimes um, maybe sharing a disparate view of how to solidify a long-term relationship. You know, in our, in my own family, you know, my parents separated and I think, I mean, they, they did like each other. They did love each other, but I think because they're Vietnamese refugees, they were bonded together by, by survival. And then once they were in survival mode, it was just like, well, what do we have in common now? You, you know, they, they, they met right before, like, you know, right before everything had changed. Um, mm. And then, you know, that because of that, I think my parents were more accepting of the fact 
of that, my sister decided not to do the quote unquote traditional thing and, you know, get married and have kids because it was just like, well, that's what they did out of necessity and what they thought what they should have have done, you Mm. know, uh, no matter how much love was actually there and it didn't work out and they just didn't want that for us. Mm. Um, You know, marriage wasn't pushed upon us. Like, of course they wanted us to have relationship with good people, relationships with good people. Right. But like marriage was never pushed. Children yeah. were never really pushed because I think for them, their own experience was like, well, we did what we were supposed to. Yeah. And it made all of us miserable. So let's not do that to the children. Oh, yeah. The fans of cars, the women in the caviar. You know who we are, cause we're pipping all over the world. I'm really digging your lips, but be careful where you walking when you swinging them hips. I'm kind of concerned that you'll be causing a crash with your traffic jam booty heads pausing so fast. Hey, I wouldn't trade you for the world, I swear it. I like your hair and every style that you wear it. And how the colors coordinate with your clothes, from your manicured nails to your pedicure toes. Oh, yeah. The fancy cars, the women in the caviar, you know who we are. This is Christy, and you're listening to DJ Rum on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. It's the way you dip your hair in your stylish clothes you wear. And you walk into the room while my partner stop and stare at you. But they just wanna use you up.
shouted like a friend, pain. And I ain't got nothing but sweat inside my hands. So I dig it to my pocket, all my money is spent. But I don't need a cent, cause shout it priceless. I tell it like this, I've been. So baby, I can take you. I roll up, this is the hold up It's your money, man, shorty Made me smile when ain't a damn thing funny <laughs> But still don't nothing move with the money So baby, if we move, then we move with the money Which is my favorite dish But if I take shoes, I'll probably switch <laughs> And then we would probably switch Now I'm walking up the street, whistling this that Taiwan, having not personally been there and experienced it in person firsthand like you have, it sounds like it's far less inclined, or it seems to be far less inclined toward materialism, getting the bag. Uh, a man has to make a ton of money in order to get a really, really wonderful, comparable, compatible woman to be his wife. Whereas the United States more so, well, let me ask you what, how would, do you, first of all, do you agree with that? And if so, to what degree? What degree do you see a distinction between the, the importance of family versus just this uh, paper chase to just get the bag? And unless a man gets the bag, he's not deemed to be sort of a suitable enough partner. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Wow, that's a hard one. Like I said, like a lot of the local nationals that I, I do know, I mean, I don't know them on that level to ask those kinds of questions. But when I do see them, their relationship, it seems very equal. Like the woman makes, if she if she's working, makes just as much money as the man. And it's like equal contribution. I don't, I, I see making money as very important obviously when you know when you want to develop a relationship because you want to kind of be able to show like i can support you too if need be mm -hmm. but i feel like here in taiwan the emphasis isn't really money it's the education level mm. um and the education level because the education is high then the money comes you know after the fact um mm. and and i think that's i i i almost feel like there's more emphasis on that they want to see degrees they want to see credentials okay uh, you know things like that and that translates to possibly more money but i don't think that as is as big of a deal as i think we make it in the west mm. you know and we they for sure where where we are in the city i'm in there are luxury goods everywhere like i literally live next to two malls and both of them have like a versace store you know so okay. the material goods are important they do like their goods but it's also not as flashy as it is in america yeah like you see someone well dressed and you might not know it's like a chanel purse right away but it's a chanel mm -hmm. purse 
you mm-hmm. know, it's very more subdued. Um, and so the money, they love their money, mm. but it's not held up as high as I think we do it in the West. Okay. So how about this? Because if education attainment is important, how much does that tie into character, morality, in terms of distinguishing a good guy, if you're a woman, distinguishing a mm-hmm. good guy from somebody that in the United States would be a, a Chad, a Tyrone, a someone that may have a different focus in life, if you will. Um, <laughs> where does character fit into all that in terms of being able to select a quality mate, in your opinion? I think because education is so important here, mm-hmm. like the 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 idea of working hard. Yes. I mean, this could be a whole different thing, but like some of these kids are in school mm-hmm. from morning until evening. We have okay. a thing called yeah. Yeah, Hushi bonds, which are cram schools where they go to more school after school to learn English or math or science or whatever. And some of these kids are at school till like 9 p.m. Wow. You know, like it and the stacks of homework they, that they get is astronomical. I I can't believe how much homework these kids get, but that's, that's their job. That's the thing. Like they need to show people that they can work hard, that they can um, really apply themselves and focus and do uh, you know, be and in and, and, and in a sense also be well rounded. They have to do well with all their um academic subjects, but also, you know, a lot of kids do do other like sports or music or whatever. And there's a huge emphasis on that. And I think that has created a culture of just a lot of people who are willing to work very hard to mm. to go above and beyond. This is also a culture that doesn't tip. So servers do their work because they're, that's their job you know they they do they serve you like at a restaurant or whatever because that's their job not because they're working for a tip but because they are hardworking, and you know this is their their livelihood really um yeah and could that guy also, working there uh sorry for you could a, could a guy no, that okay. there good could he get based upon that aspect not making anything beyond what his salary is there's there's no tipping mm-hmm. Uh, what are the chances and, you know, and you don't have to have exact numbers on this, but what are the chances that that guy could get a woman that would be in Los Angeles, eight, nine or 10? Would she respect him the same way as someone who would be sort of uh, on a different rung of the the marketplace in terms of uh, somebody that a guy would want in a girlfriend or a wife? I think so. I mean, the living wage here is really a good living wage. It's it's cheap here. It's cheaper here, but like people aren't struggling. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's, I don't think, and this is just my assumption, I don't think yeah. there is any dis, you know, uh, struggle there getting some, a partner of high quality just because you work at a 7-Eleven and apparently they need a degree to work at 7-Eleven here. So I've heard. I don't oh. know if that's true or not. But like, you know, a guy working at 7-Eleven, it's, it's a good person. Like that's someone you can marry. It's not it's not seen okay. as low class. 7-Eleven, ladies and gentlemen. I, I got people that listen to this show all over the country and all <laughs> over the world. She said 7-Eleven and, yeah. he, oh. and he, he can get a dime piece, right? <laughs> yes, Oh, the 7-Elevens here are nice. So what? therefore the 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 employees are are, are great people. I don't yeah. know how many times they they've they've gotten me out of like a jam because I needed 
something done. 7-Elevens are amazing here in Asia. <laughs> okay. Yes. So a guy working at 7-Eleven. So where does looks factor into that? Because, you know, guys are more visual creatures than women are. How important is looks in, from your standpoint, generally speaking, in the dating market in Taiwan and the United States? Mm -hmm. Okay. This is me speaking as someone who for sure has adhered to more Western beauty standards. So I'm going to put it out there right there. The Taiwanese okay. women are very beautiful. They're, I have yet, and maybe because I'm in a big city, but they're always, they always look really nice, like, and fashionable. Like even like the, if they're walking out in like sweatpants, those are nice sweatpants. And they're, they're, you know, accessorized very well. Like the girls here are, I think impeccable. Color contacts are very popular, you know, like mm. getting your hair done, your nails done. Uh, again, it's not over the top. It's not like getting your nails done, you get all like the extra things. You know what I'm talking about? Like extra long and they have the, all the bubbles, but they're always yeah. manicured and neat and things like that. And the thing, and, but then the men are more uh, casual. Uh, yeah. for the most part so some there are times because we live like I said we live to next door to two very popular malls and mm -hmm. the pairings I see walk in and out there's always a very nicely dressed woman and a man who is not as nicely dressed so mm -hmm. more casual he's not it's not like he's sloppy but mm -hmm. it's definitely not as much effort put into it mm -hmm. um they also tend to, and I think this is also a thing with Westerners, men can be a little chubbier here and that's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but by genetics, I think most of the men are not, you know, no, nobody yeah. here is overweight. Rarely do I see that. But um, yeah. they, they, I, I think the women here really take care of, of how they look, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, because I'm in the big city, a big city, it's fashion forward, it's trendy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in taking photos for Instagram is very popular here. But then the men, yeah, the men will have nice, like I said, they will have very expensive clothing and accessories, but they don't necessarily show it off. So even though I see it as more casual, mm -hmm. on closer inspection, it's going to be nice things. Really? So an in-shape woman out there it's not uncommon for someone to see her with a guy that, and like you said, nobody's really morbidly obese out there, but you're saying, yeah. are you, are you saying it's not uncommon for a really attractive woman to be with an overweight guy in Taiwan? Yes. Let's, let's say, I don't know if I'll get flack for this, but he's, he's got a dad bod before he had, he's a dad. <laughs> so dad like, bod before yeah. being a dad. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but but okay. I think, yeah, and I think that from what has someone has told me that that's very common, that like, mm -hmm. but also genetically and culturally, being overweight is is not a thing really here. Skin care is like mm -hmm. something they they put a lot of money into. So a lot of people, their skin looks nice. They look younger than they actually are, mm -hmm. um, be, because the sun here is so hot and strong in the summer. People mm -hmm. wear like you know, their sunscreen, they carry around their UV umbrellas, like they, they take care of themselves for the right. most part. Right. So I, I think that really plays into it as well. But yeah, you do see a lot of women who I, in my opinion, are gorgeous. And then their partner, I'm like, hmm, that's an odd pairing. 
but really? it works for yeah it, it works for them and, and culturally here it's okay for the men to like hold their purses to carry all their bags it doesn't seem it's not looked at as being um cuckold or or weaker it's just what the men do I, I don't know how many men I see just walking around with their their partner's purses and all their bags. And it's like, no big deal. No big deal. You know? wow. No big deal. Mm. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, it's, it's not, it's not emasculating. Yeah, it's just not emasculating whatsoever. Wow. You know? But the degree to which someone has, if you're looking for a masculine guy, they're, are you saying they're readily available? Because I know masculinity standards across borders may look differently and be appreciated differently. So how common is it to meet a, just a really masculine Taiwan guy? Yeah, see, that's that's different. Like, like I said earlier, I see this, you know, I grew up, I was born in America. I grew up with like a more Western beauty standard. Mm -hmm. And so there aren't, as many like chiseled jaws or okay. you know and things like and definitely uh, obviously a lot of not, they're not blonde or anything um but the men here are handsome i think in their own way i think they very much lean towards like the korean k-pop k-drama look mm. you know which is a little more softer masculinity a little more effeminate you know the softer haircuts uh, almost the use of makeup sometimes, although I don't see that really here. It's just accepted on like their celebrities and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, mm -hmm. but you know, like the whole K-pop, K-drama phenomenon has introduced a different type of masculinity that isn't oh. like, you know, the six, you know, the six pack, strong mm -hmm. jaw. It's, it's not that here. You know, mm. they don't. I rarely see any man with like, uh, like a muscular, like a super muscular body. Like people work out and they uh -huh. take care of themselves, but they're very. It's it's not like they're building muscles and everything. They're they're just basically maintaining health. So the women aren't choosing guys based solely or primarily on that. I don't think so. And I and if if they're choosing, so I don't think they're choosing based primarily on looks and just off the fact that the women are seen as more as equals and make as just uh -huh. make as much money. I think the pairings here are more genuine. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, I get they're, that. They're, yes. Yeah. It's it's really for the majority really based on personality and compatibility mm -hmm. within characteristics. Yeah. You know, everything else is like a bonus uh, other than like educational level which they really hold up high everything is like do i get along with this person or not absolutely absolutely i'm still stuck on the fact that a cat at 7-eleven can pull <laughs> can pull you know what i'm saying can pull mm -hmm. um and the you know although people take care of themselves they may protect themselves from the sun or what have you you're also saying that the the fingernails that the young ladies wear it's not long or extensive or no. it's not over the top and they're always put yeah they're always put together but just not over the top if if someone is over the top you notice they stand out mm -hmm. very very much mm -hmm. very much but, but you also say instagram photoing photo you know, posting is pretty common mm -hmm. out there. 
So oh, yes. would you say, how much does that play into the dynamics of relationship? If a, if a young lady has a relationship, is she still posting on IG all the time, sort of <laughs> putting herself out there that she might be, they call it out here, thirst trapping. And that's an extreme example of it. But uh, where does IG play <laughs> with modern relationships out there? Um, from what I can see, yeah. the men are definitely happy to be the photographer. I don't know how many times in Asia, in Asia in general, where we want to take a picture somewhere and we have to kind of wait because there's a little mini photo shoot going on. And I don't think it's, mm. and it's never to me in a, a thirst trap way. It's not like a sexy thing. It's more of a, hey, look, I found this beautiful spot or my mm. makeup is on point today. It's, it's all about uh, showing off some really aesthetically pleasing place you're going to or are, are at okay. um you know they they it, i think asians are also a big just picture culture um yes. you know they like taking their photos there's the stereotypical you know putting up the peace sign kind of thing that is not a stereotype they do that a lot here mm. um and they just enjoy taking photos that's like something they just it's a it's a it's an activity a hobby they like Yes. And so with Instagram, it just gave them a public means of sharing that hobby that they like so much, mm -hmm. you know, but um, even my own family, my cousins, when they came to visit, like they didn't really, they went to, they wanted to sightsee, but only because they wanted to take photos of beautiful places. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, mm -hmm. and if they're in the photos too, bonus. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I can see why people want to use their passports to go there. Before we let you go, um, kind of things you do recreationally with the family. What does a typical Taiwanese family, whether they're American born or domestically over there, what do you do for fun over there? Leisure, recreation, and that's part one. And part two, if you wanted to leave the kids with the babysitter or grandma, what would a husband and wife do for nightlife and entertainment there? Um. So as a family, so Taiwan itself is a very family friendly place, um, which is a big contrast with Italy because Italy is always touted as family friendly and they Italians love family, but they're not family friendly here in Taiwan. Pretty much everywhere you go, the bathrooms will have a little tiny toilet for the kids within like a bigger stall. So you're oh, never wow. you're never without, you know, like I, I can always go to the bathroom with my kids in a safe oh. situation. And um, it's very interesting, tiny little toilets, tiny little sinks, sometimes <laughs> tiny little urinals. And, and sometimes they'll have a urinal in the women's bathroom because they know women will take their sons out and they need to go to the bathroom. So it's, it's convenient wow. in that sense. Okay. Um, but uh, Taiwan is very big on being outdoors. Hiking is a big thing, bicycling um, and just going out into nature. They're very much into that. But within the cities, when it does get hot, people do run indoors. Uh, indoor playgrounds are a huge thing here um, with emphasis on imaginative play. It's not just like a jungle gym, you know, for you to run around inside. But there are, you know, extensive uh, kitchens and play food and, and all sorts of things like that. They're very much into providing those kinds of services for children. Mm -hmm. and um there's always free wi-fi for the parents <laughs> and and nice comfortable couches for us to fall asleep on oh, um 
yeah and um but you know traveling here is big now that we're opening up uh wow. the taiwanese do like to travel they have um special relationships with like japan and so they a huge number travel there um mm. um and so you know like on a daily basis we see a lot of families just out and about outside riding bikes taking walks yeah. playgrounds are packed when the weather is good like oh. packed to the point where i'm like mm, it might be dangerous for my kids because they're little and then we have to go find another playground right so, right yeah so, so that's and, that's a big thing yeah and what about for the adults for the adults so for us you know we the nightlife here revolves around night markets uh mm -hmm. night markets are um just markets that open up in the late evening or sorry late afternoon early evening there's stalls and it's just street food they're usually right next to universities because mm -hmm. the kids will you know they need a cheap means of eat to to eat and like places to hang out and so they're closer to university campuses mm -hmm. but that's something to do and then the big thing here are the karaoke rooms. KTV. Oh, yeah. KTV is huge here. Um, mm. In fact, from what I heard, the wealthiest family here in the city uh, owns uh, the oldest KTV uh, establishment. Plus, they own like some other like schools and stuff, too. Like they have a lot of money. But um, and the case know, stands for karaoke. Karaoke oh, TV. Of course. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like you rent a room, you, you get bottles of alcohol, you get food, you drink and you sing and mm -hmm. uh, people spend hours there. There are times where I will be walking my kids to school at like 7am and people are coming out of the KTVs from the wow. night before, you know, and granted they're younger, they're in their twenties and things like that. But mm -hmm. that's really big. It's big enough that in our, in many of the apartment buildings, you will have a KTV room within your building. So oh, you can wow. go and sing karaoke in the comfort of your own building. We actually have two. <laughs> oh, sweet, 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 yeah. sweet. Wow. Well, that's that's what they that's what they like to do. And and the eating culture here is a is a big thing. So the night wow. markets and um Uber Eats is easy and cheap. So we we will Uber Eats at a to the playground sometimes. Even to the playground. <laughs> wow. Even to the playground. How about that? And last but not least, uh, to the best of your knowledge, how long do you think your family will be there? And what's the next possible destination for your family and you? Uh, we will be here maybe till the end of the year. Uh, the program that my husband's a part of is is ending. And mm -hmm. so we cannot stay unless we want to find a, you know jobs on the local market. And mm -hmm. I think with my son being now kindergarten, he'll be in kindergarten it's time to kind of settle down a little bit more for a mm. few years. And um, he, the kids are now at the age where they're forming relationships and the fact that we will have to leave Taiwan and they have to say goodbye to the friends here is way more difficult than it was before. And so we feel like the next, you know, we're going to move back to America, back to California, but if, at that point we're going to stay put until the kids are old enough to decide if they want to go abroad mm. uh, or not. And mm -hmm. uh, if they decide to, you know, play out their whole high school, you know, school career in America, then so be it. And then we'll just postpone traveling or living abroad uh, mm. until they're done with that or until they're OK with being for us to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, they yeah. gotta let the parents know who's the boss around there. You know, it's all about the kids. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> yeah, you know, we we provided them a very good life. Um, you know, we had just we have a trip in April, and that will make country number twenty for my daughter. And wow! She's, you she'll turn four on that trip. And what I country mean, is that going to be? We'll be going. We're going to be going to the Philippines. See, that's somewhere I want to go too. Well, I'll let you know how that goes. It's I hear it's nice. <laughs> It'll be our yeah. first time. Well, so we're going to do so you heard her, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to do Christy in the Philippines next. OK, <laughs> that's going to be in April. We're, yes, we'll be there in April. But that's going to be just a vacation. You're not going to be staying there long term. No, no. We're just trying to take advantage of the fact that we live on in the, on the side of the earth yeah. and try to travel as much as we can, because from California, all these flights are like. 19 20 hours and i'm not gonna do right. that i don't want to do that right right <laughs> yeah. but if it's a vacation i'll probably have to wait till you get back and settle because i don't want to bother you when you're on vacation because you're you'd, not gonna have you'd, time you'd be surprised i always seem to have a phone call or a meeting while on vacation i find a nice spot to hole up on <laughs> somewhere Ooh. somewhere where i yeah i'll be i'll be zooming but by the beach or the pool it's okay a meeting because I heard I thought you earlier. Do you, do you work in the United States currently? I do not, but I do have meetings. Like I try to find inter like job interviews and and um, things like this. Like um, you know, people want to know my story, and so I mm -hmm. set up. I just set up whenever, and it's not a big wow. deal. The kids are asleep. I have a nice view. It's okay, but I'm on vacation. It's the Zoom. It's the Zoom generation now. It's the Did Zoom you know? generation. Wow! And mom is famous. I tell you. <laughs> no. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it sure is a pleasure to talk to you, no matter where you are in the world. This is Christy, ladies and gentlemen. She's joining us this time from Taiwan, uh, from the the shores of Italy, from the United States to Taiwan, heading next to the Philippines. We always appreciate you, no matter where you are in the world. Will you come back and join us again sometime? Of course. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. Pacific time to 7 p.m. Pacific time, and it repeats again on Friday evenings from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. I also want to thank our very, very special guest from the beautiful country of Taiwan, Christy was in the house, y'all. Christy, shouts out to all the people out in Taiwan. Thank you for joining us this evening. I also want to send a very, very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.